My favorite story is Buddy Holly. He seemed like a nice, generally nice guy. Smart guy, nice guy. It was just like a kid I'd gone to school with. Anybody, no errors about him. But when I, there used to be a little thing in uh, uh, Cashbox magazine, which is like Billboard. It's gone now. But they put the top eight disc jockeys in there, and I was one of them. And I put that'll be the day on my chart every day for weeks. And then finally, a disc jockey called Tommy Edwards, not the singer, decided to try it out, and it became a smash hit. When Buddy Holly came to town, he said, I understand you were the first one to play it. I said, yes. That'll be day, the day, a multi-million seller. It's just imagine of, of having passion and, and, hear, excuse me, and hearing it right. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't happen now. There's consultants. There's, there's people that, that it, I mean, it takes forever to put out a record because it's just got to be right through the record company. You just can't, oh, I mean, no. I mean, there's certain situations with people on YouTube, they become overnight stars and so on and so forth. But back then it was the disc jockeys. If it wasn't for you guys, those guys wouldn't be. Did you see the Grammys this year? Did anyone watch the Grammys this year? See? Okay. Not too many. No, it's pretty bad. It's not got good. Nope. <laughs> so you were talking about Buddy Holly. We lost Buddy Holly. Yep. We lost the Big Bopper. And, and we lost Richie Valens. Yep. Now, and there's kind of a tie-in to where we're sitting in here tonight about Richie Valens, Red. Right. I, I had, uh, you know, I would do anything, you know. I started a booking agency with Les Vogt, who is still my friend, and uh, which is hard to say when you've worked with people for years. But, but he still is a good friend. And Les and I decided to bring in uh, Richie Valens, and we did. We had only Come On, Let's Go and Donna. But we brought him in and played the Cloverdale Arena and packed it. The people were lined up for miles to get in. And we, we, you know, I wasn't smart enough to think. There was a country singer called Evan Kemp. He says, you're doing it all wrong, Red. I said, what am I doing wrong? He said, well, the first thing you do is you have a dance with Richie, if, and if it's Richie Valens, then you let everybody out and you invite him back in uh, for a concert. <laughs> I Evan was smart. And, and what happened a number of weeks later from that show? Yes. Uh, Richie Valens died with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper, who was a disc jockey from Texas, in a plane crash in February 1959. And it broke me up. At this point, I'm working in Portland, Oregon. And I look down on the turntable, and I've got a Buddy Holly song ready to go. You know, you, you just skip it. And Jim Miller, the news guy, came in and said, I got a bullet, and he read it. And I looked down, and what am I playing? It Doesn't Matter Anymore by Buddy Holly. Unbelievable. You mentioned Portland. Yep. So it's 1959. Yep. Why did you go to Portland? Because you couldn't get television experience here unless you work for the CBC. So I said, oh, no, I can see that, uh, you know, radio eventually will fade in my priorities. But I want to do television. So I go down there and I get a, a show called Portland Bandstand. And it was short-lived because it was part of the ABC network. And so was KGW when I worked there. And, but you never mind, I had enough out of, out of the confidence after that that I wanted to do more, and I did. And, and, and you were in the Army, too. You had a stint in the oh, Army. yeah. So he goes down to Portland. Okay, you can come down to Portland, but... 
You got to go in the they army too. Me. Yeah, well, they told me before I left, but that, you know, you're blinded if you're ambitious. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what happened was uh, the guy said, "Listen, I got my draft notice. You know, hello, we'd love to have you here. Uh, season's greetings and all that." <laughs> so I, uh, the, the um, news d- director of KGW was a man called Hal Starr. Hal Starr was a friend with so many people, unbelievable. He said, listen, my brother is in charge of PR at the Air Force Base in Portland. Get up tomorrow morning, get out there and sign up. Typical of me, I slept in, (laughs) didn't make it. And they said, okay, well, fine, you're at the back of the line now, my God. So I ended up going out to the Hillsborough Armory and joining the uh, National Guard. And how long were you with the National Guard? Two years. For two years. So it's not like they shipped you overseas, but oh, no. but still, no, you know, you, you still no had to fun. sign up. So uh, you moved back to Vancouver. Right. Uh, this is two years later, yep. 1961. You're back at WX again. Right. Um, and then you spent some time there, and then everyone remembers Seafun, the mighty Seafun, the good guys. Oh yeah. Uh, and some of the good guys. And you, you went to Seafun uh, to become the program director there. Yeah, because Dave McCormick was leaving to work in California. Big and, Daddy Dave McCormick. Oh, yeah. Do you remember those, that big my daddy? My friend, good guy. Yeah. Uh, good guy and a good broadcaster. And so uh, the manager of the station, Doug Gregg, said, you know, I think you could do more, you know, being the program director. I said, well, I'm not giving up on the air. He said, no, you can do both. And I knew Pat O'Day was doing that in Seattle. So I became program director, the best eight years of my life. And, and listen to the, some of the names that... Now, did you bring these guys in, or were they already some there? Some of like, them I brought Fred Latchamo in. Fred Latchamo, yeah. the great Fred Latchamo. Uh, Frosty Forst, yep. who spent so many years at CKNW waking everybody up. Tom Peacock, who actually, we have something in common. Tom Peacock and I had something in common. Because Tom uh, was one time the uh, PA announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. That's right. Back in the Coliseum <laughs> days. Yes. Um, and uh, also Al Jordan. Oh. Now, Al Jordan was a really good friend of yours, correct? Very much so. He, he gave me the break. Uh, when the, How it all started was, uh, I was so enamored with uh, radio. I listened to Al in the afternoon when I got out of school. And, and, and you know, Jimmy Stewart, the actor, was in town. And uh, I said, okay, work it up. So I did. And I picked the phone up and I called the kids show. It was called Theme for Teens. And I phoned up and I said, Hi, Alice, Jimmy Stewart. And he believed me. And then I don't know what the hell to do, but... (laughs) I've got this one impression. (laughs) After that, I'm not quite sure, but that's all you need to get your foot in the door, right? No, no. And so, no, I I thought, oh, my God. And Jack Wasserman, who was a columnist for the Vancouver Sun, wasn't that nice of actor Jimmy Stewart to call the kids show. Now I figure I've really had it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're 16 years old and you don't know what to do. So I phoned Al a, a few days later and uh, I said, Hello, Al. This is Peter Lorre. You know, remember him in oh, yeah. Maltese Falcon? He says, uh, Yes, Al. And Jordan says, are, are you the guy that phoned in Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> I said, Yeah. He said, Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. And, and he let me on the air, and I used to be a guest appearance, and then I wrote a series of little vignettes called Rod Gat. Not Rod Gun, Rod Gat. <laughs> yeah. All about, um, you know, just uh, take off on Mickey Spillane, 
And Mike Hammer, yep. yeah. So Red's got, uh, he's got two impressions in his repertoire. I have one. Uh, it's Michael Caine. And you know, the secret of doing Michael Caine is speaking three words at a time. <laughs> and that's all I got. But really, the secret... Very good, very good. <laughs> right? Yes. So um, I'm going to throw some names at you here. Um, and I, I just want you to, to just let everyone know in this room and listening... Uh, first impressions and 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 the and the lasting legacy that they had on you, Roy Orbison. I don't think there was a year that went by. Twenty-three years, we became friends, and he'd come to town every year for twenty-three years, and you know we were watching him change, and Les and I, I mean he was on a on a comeback trail uh, when he had out um, uh, what's that Virgin thing he had, uh, a few uh, hits anyway, and the Traveling Wilburys. And we said, Roy, can you come up uh, to Expo 86? We're filling in the shows. And he said, you and Les were the only guys. They ever give me a $3,000 bonus, I'll be there. <laughs> wow. And his whole, th yeah. And nobody had a voice like Roy Orbison. There was no, you, you talk about the artists out there that sound a lot like somebody else, but... Nobody ever, ever sounded like Roy. No, and he started out being, doing rock and roll, which was wrong for him. Yeah. Uh, and finally, he got over to a man called Fred Foster at Monument, and then he became Roy Orbison that we know. Uh, Fats Domino. You couldn't meet a nicer man than Fats Domino. Uh, a short guy, and, you know, he talked in a funny language called Creole. And so it was hard to, you know, do an interview with him, but I did. And he would go like that, you know, it's like unbelievable. But anyway, what a legacy he has left behind. Uh, an amazing man, and we were so happy to have him. He and the piano pounding of Fats Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis on the last Expo show in August, whatever, 31st, 1986. On stage, the two of them. And how many people remember that? How many people were in the stage? Yeah, there's lots of people that were in that building. And Red took me, like I said, under his wing. And that was one of the big things that I'll remember growing up as, you know, a young broadcaster and just a young kid was Red brought me along, took me backstage, got me to, you know, to sit down with uh, Lou Christie and oh, Freddie yeah. Cannon and Jan and Dean and, and all these amazing artists, and uh, those are those are memories that I'll that I'll never forget. Let's let's get a Canadian quotient in here. Paul Anka. Paul Anka is a talented little bastard. <laughs> I knew we'd finally get someone <laughs> to say he that. He really is a talented little guy. He can be mean though. I mean, he's got a mean side to him, and if he was sitting there, he would say, "Yeah, I have." You know, like it doesn't mean anything. But is he a talent or what? You know, just clipping coupons, he doesn't have to work. No, seriously. He wrote the soundtrack for The Tonight Show. Da, 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 da. Uh, he wrote oh, so many things. He wrote for Frank. Uh, he wrote She's a Lady for Tom Jones. And the list goes on. What a, what a great talent. And, uh, and, and, he's, and, he's, and he's still kicking, and he's still has a, he's got another, another wife, doesn't he, now? Well, or wife number six. Number six. And, and a young and a young child, well, a teenager, I think now. Oh yeah. So, so he's a brave man too. He may be a may be a bastard. Just to a, have a teenager is being brave. He's a brave man too. 
Um, <laughs> l- let's talk about some other. Uh, you mentioned Expo '86 and, and the legends of rock and roll. Um, Little Richard. Little Richard. Weird but wonderful. I mean, wonderful to watch him play the piano, and he'd sit on it and everything else. But uh, just a strange cat, you know what I mean? You, you, you never got to know him. Although he did come into CKWX, uh, and I had him on the air live in the studio. People say, "How? Why, why would they come to the studio? Because we were supporting their records. That's why. And uh, let's talk about some of the, uh, the more ornery uh, people that uh, you've had to deal with. I mean, one of the guys that was at the Legends of Rock and Roll back in 86 was the killer. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. Everybody that met him said he's out of his mind. He really was. I think it was from too many pills, booze, and everything else. And this is one of the greatest rockers in history. I mean, he you listen to those early recordings. I mean, nobody could up, outdo him. But he was uh, not nasty, but just remote when you're talking to him. I think it was pills and booze and stuff, you know. Same but, with Chuck Berry? Same thing, but just a minute. I was going to say, as rotten as Jerry Lee was to be around, he's the only, well, he is the last man standing out of the whole group, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, all of them, gone, but not Jerry Lee. Not Jerry Lee Lewis. He must have made a pact with the devil. (laughs) Maybe he did. He was at the fork in the road there where he met somebody. He is the fork in the road. Uh, Maybe. So we've been talking a lot about the 1950s. Let's move into the 60s. Okay. Everything changed. Yep. Ed Sullivan, the Beatles, that changed music forever. Right here in our show, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. He oh, he does three impressions now. <laughs> the Beatles, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, were you? Uh, did we even get that here? Could we even watch that? What? Oh, so we could? Okay. Oh, yeah, we could. I was born in 66. Okay, so I'm a youngin. So uh, the, the Beatles make their, their way onto the scene, and then they make their way to Vancouver. Right. Pandemonium ensues. Yep. And you were in the middle of it all yeah, again. You know it. Yeah, I mean, it, it brought back memories. I knew they were in trouble. Uh, when the second song, and everybody's pushing against the stanchion. And if you look at the security they had, there wasn't any. Same thing with Elvis. I mean, he got so nervous, Scotty said, Scotty... Uh, the guitar player, Scotty Moore, uh, they got scared. And they said, okay, let's pack it up. Because the stage was doing this, <laughs> you know. Same thing with the Beatles. And, you know, they were supposed to stay at the Georgia Hotel. My good friend down here and I have footage of that. Don't we, Phil? Phil Mackesy. And they never stayed there. The reason was, as soon as the show was over at Empire Stadium... Brian Epstein said, we're going to the airport. And they cut out of town. And they never came back. 